Hello and welcome. You are listening to the Fertility in Focus podcast. I'm your host, Christina Burns, doctor of Eastern medicine and holistic fertility expert. In these weekly sessions, I'll be bringing you the best of advice on nutrition, lifestyle, and natural medicine to optimize your fertility. Let's jump into today's episode. Hello, hello. Uh, Nutritional session today. Let's talk about fats. The right kind, the wrong kind, mostly the wrong kind, how it affects your fertility. And, you know, why it's so important. So fats constitute a vital dietary compound affecting fertility. A large study suggested that a high-fat diet can be associated with changes in the reproductive functions, including menstrual cycle length, reproductive hormone concentrations, luteinizing hormone, which is your hormone of ovulation, and embryo quality. However, as you might already know, it seems that the quality of fats is more important than the amount. The Chavarro study, Chavarro, by the way, is somebody who did a lot of nutritional studies as they pertain to fertility. Um, He did a big study on 18,555 women planning a pregnancy uh, or who became pregnant during this study demonstrated that increasing the intake of trans fats by even 2% resulted in a significant increase in infertility risk due to ovulation disorders. Furthermore, in another study, the negative influence of trans fats intake on fertility was observed among um, 1,290 American women planning a pregnancy. However, this association was not observed among the Danish women, as the author suggested, may be associated with a low consumption of trans fats among this cohort um, due, due to Danish law requiring a limit of trans fats and bad oils in products in the country. So this is a big issue in America, and it's an issue in other countries for for you know reasons that I'll get to cooking methods, for example, frying. So you may be like, oh, I don't eat any trans fats. I'm not eating margarine. I'm like, okay, but it's probably coming somewhere else. Like you might be eating it in a packaged product, or maybe you're having some fries or some other fried food. Um, So you're probably getting more than you think you are. And and you're just, you don't think you're getting it because it's not on a label. But you know, the laws are very loosey goosey around, you know, what they have to put on labels here. And they're always disguising it. The food industry is so messed up. It's like, you know, very pro-profit, which I totally understand. Like businesses have to make money, you know, and, and it increases shelf life and all of that. But, you know, our health is what's suffering. So trans fats have a, a pro-inflammatory property and may increase insulin resistance. So insulin and blood sugar issues and increase the risk of de- developing type 2 diabetes or other metabolic disturbances, including PCOS, um, which can negatively affect fertility. Moreover, the intake of trans fats was associated with a higher incidence of endometriosis. So I like, you know, when I'm talking about like inflammatory things and things that mess with your insulin, it, we talk a lot about PCOS, endometriosis, because these are diagnosed conditions. But even if you don't have a diagnosed condition, these things are really pertinent things like under unexplained infertility or advanced maternal age, for example, like if you have aging ovaries or aging eggs, even if it's prematurely aging, if you put in things that cause more oxidative damage, you are aging your ovaries more, you're aging your vessels, you're making your blood clot more, you're, you're making it so that it's a hostile environment that the baby can't get resources, that the pregnancy couldn't get resources. So it's just not good to consume these inflammatory things, you know, 
even if you don't have a diagnosis like endometriosis or PCOS. It's almost nice to have the, the diagnosis because then at least you know what you're working with. But if you're working with an unexplained diagnosis, um, it's just as important to kind of listen up and hone in on these things. A type of trans fat, like we should go into these types because like then you know, oh wait, I might be consuming some. A type of trans fat occurs naturally in the milk and body fat of, of like animals that we consume dairy from. Like for example, cattle and sheep at a level of two um, to 5% of the total fat that comes from them. And that's also in their meat. Natural trans fat, which includes conjugated linoleic acid, CLA, and vaccinic acid originate in these animals. CLA has two double bonds and one in the cis configuration and one in the trans, which makes it simultaneously a cis and trans fatty acid. So it has good and bad properties. Animal-based fats were once the only trans fats that we consume, but by far the largest amount of trans fat consumed today is created by the processed food industry as a side effect of partially hydrogenating unsaturated plant fats, generally vegetable oils. These partially hydrogenated fats have displaced natural solid fats and liquid oils in many areas, the most notable ones being in fast food, snack food, fried food, and baked goods industry. So if you eat baked stuff, packaged stuff, there's probably some trans fats in there. Um, you just might not know what you're looking for on the label. Now plug this into your overall eating habits. How much processed food, how much meat, how much fried food like chips, fries, fritters, etc. How many packaged baked goods, how much eating out. You may or may not know the amount in a meal or like, you know, what fat they're kind of using, but you must understand that when you're eating out or you eat pretty eating prepackaged things, they're trying to make it taste good. And oftentimes making it taste good and making you want more involves putting more fats into it, whether they're healthy or not. Like I went to a Mediterranean place and they had this delicious like fried cauliflower. Like, and if I was making it at home, I'd be frying it in olive oil in a pan. So I asked them like, what did you fry this in? And they said in vegetable oil. And I was like, did you put it in the deep fryer or in the pan? Deep fryer right? So it's annoying, but you have to ask these questions because something that could be seemingly like healthy, like, you know, a cauliflower dish could actually be really bad. Unfortunately, restaurants aren't going to spend the money or most of them, unless they're higher end ones, aren't going to spend the money on olive oil or even butter for that matter. And definitely not clean butter types like ghee. Partially hydrogenated oils have been used in food for many reasons. Hydrogenation increases the product shelf life, as I mentioned before, and decreases refrigeration requirements because it actually costs a lot to house food that requires refrigeration. It's a lot easier to just put it on a shelf because you don't have to pay for the refrigeration and have that take up room. Um, many baked foods require semi-solid fats to suspend solid at room temperature. Partially hydrogenated oils have the right consistency to replace animal fats such as butter and lard at a lower cost. A lot of it comes down to cost, shelf life, which also comes down to profit. They are also an inexpensive alternative to semi-solid oils such as palm oil. Ladies, I have worked for years to put together a guidebook for this crazy fertility journey. It's called the Ultimate Fertility Guidebook. It contains all of my secrets, my hacks, everything to do with herbs, supplements, how to integrate acupuncture into your fertility treatment, 
how to eat for your cycle, how to eat for IVF, basically everything natural fertility and IVF, how to understand your hormones, how your body works, what mindfulness practices to do, how to exercise. Everything is contained within these 300 pages, and it is now available for sale on Barnes & Noble, Amazon, Target, Walmart, and all the other online outlets and in stores. By far the largest amount of trans fat consumed today is, again, the food industry. So if you're not eating that many processed foods, it's better, but if you're eating out a lot, you really have to be thoughtful about where you're doing that and, and eat at conscious places that, you know, that use quality ingredients that use olive oil. And you need to ask if something's put in the deep fryer or sauteed in a pan. Like it takes a little bit of extra legwork on your part. Fun fact, a one 2007 study found each 2% increase in the intake of energy from trans unsaturated fats as opposed to that from carbohydrates, was associated with a 73% greater risk of ovulatory infertility, so ovulation issues. So trans fat increased risk of ovulatory issues by 73%, and that's only a 2% increase. It doesn't sound like a lot. Up to 45% of the total fat in those foods containing man-made trans fats formed by partially hydrogenated plant fats may be trans fat. Baking shortenings, unless reformulated, constitute around 30% trans fats compared to their total fats. High-fat dairy products, such as butter, contain about 4%. Because, again, they occur naturally in animals and animal products, which is maybe one of the reasons why like dairy and meat can be inflammatory. But also just the way we cook them makes them more inflammatory. Uh, margarines not reformulated to reduce trans fats may contain up to 15% trans fat by weight. Um, but some reformulated ones are less than 1% trans fat. Trans fats are used in shortenings for deep frying in restaurants. I mean, fried food is just terrible anyway, but a lot of like fried food also is containing these trans fats, not just like the toxic carcinogenic fats of deep frying. So, and the reason why is because they can use, be used for longer than most conventional oils before becoming rancid. Oh, it's just so, when you, when it like goes through the information, it's just so sad um, and scary. I, I remember when I lived in China, I, I ate things out of a, a deep fryer. I was doing some street food. I was so swollen and my period just stopped coming. I, I had no ovulation for like two years while I lived there. I had to come back and use herbs and acupuncture and eat healthy foods again to get my um, ovaries to work again. I talk about this in my book, The Ultimate Fertility Guidebook. I go through all of these things so to, you get all the knowledge. Fast food chains routinely use different fats in different locations. Trans fat levels in fast food can have large variations. For example, an analysis of samples of McDonald's French fries collected in 2004 and 2005 found that fries served in New York City contained twice as much trans fat as in Hungary um, and 28 times as much as in Denmark where the trans fats were restricted. At KFC, the pattern was reversed with Hungary's product containing twice the trans fat of the New York product. Even within the U.S., there was variation with fries in New York containing 30% more trans fat than um, fries in Atlanta, which I found really interesting because I would think the South would be doing more of the fats. But anyway, on the other hand, there are so many good fats like omega-3 <laughs> and, um, you know, these monounsaturated fats like the olive oil or there are good saturated fats too like coconut oil and like ghee. 
Omega-3 in particular affect fertility positively and they play an essential role in making hormones and have significant anti-inflammatory properties. Currently, the available studies indicate that omega-3 from oily fish or supplements have a beneficial effect on the growth and maturation of eggs, decrease the risk of anovulation, so um, decrease the risk of ovulation issues, improve embryo quality, and are associated with higher concentrations of progesterone, which we need for implantation by increasing insulin sensitivity and improving um, the lipid profile. So helping with triglycerides like cholesterol and helping with insulin resistance and definitely helpful in conditions like PCOS and endometriosis. The supplementation of omega-3s decreases follicle-stimulating hormone, FSH, among women with normal weight. So if you have an elevated FSH, then omega-3 can help bring that down to a better level. On the basis of, of research, it's possible to suggest that omega-3 extends the reproductive lifespan. I actually did a podcast on this, that um, omega-3 is good for egg quality and women who are trying to get pregnant past the age of 35. Another study demonstrated that the consumption of fish, which is a good source of omega-3, was associated with higher probability of live birth following IVF. Additionally, the consumption of seafood increases sexual intercourse frequency and provides greater fertility. Interesting that it increases like sexual frequency. It must be helping like libido and desire. Studies investigating the influence of dairy-derived fats on fertility are interesting. The consumption of low-fat dairy, including um, low-fat milk, yogurt, and cottage cheese, increase the risk of infertility due to anovulation. I preach this a lot. I'm like, if you're going to eat dairy, at least eat the full-fat stuff. Don't eat much of it. Eat good quality from the farmer's market. But, you know, I'm not a huge fan of dairy overall just because I think there are other issues with it immune-wise. But, you know, try to get your fats from, you know, some of the oily fish. I prefer the small fish that don't have mercury, sardines, anchovies, for example, the skin of salmon, caviar, roe, the eggs kind of thing, uh, walnuts, flax seeds. These kind of sources are really great. I would eat less animal products, like land animal products. I'm not saying go vegetarian. I don't think that is necessarily a good idea because we don't want your iron and B12 to get low, but eat less of it in comparison to like plant proteins and some fish. And if you eat the smaller fish, you're not going to have the issue with the mercury. And then we're going to get into proteins on in another session because we need to talk about that too. So hope it was helpful and you know, looking forward to having you back next time. Let me know. DM me or email us at the Naturna Institute and tell me what you want to hear about on the podcast. I love um, topic ideas and, I, and I'm also um, happy to interview any of you about your story. You know, if you're on the road to trying to get pregnant and we, we could do a session on, you know, your story and, and, you know, a little breakdown of maybe some recommendations for you. So that's what I'm going to be starting to do on the podcast. We're going to start doing case studies. And so you can apply to us via DM or input at Eternal Life. And it's kind of like a free consult because we're going to talk through your case online and go into um, strategies for you. Okay. See you next round. I'm really happy you've tuned in and joined the community, and I'm so excited to bring you more helpful content with each episode. In order to make this podcast as helpful as possible, I want to hear your input on what questions you need answered to get you feeling empowered on your fertility journey. You can DM me on Instagram at at Naturna underscore life or at NaturallyCB to share your most important fertility related questions. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please follow and share with friends. My mission is to help as many women and couples as possible. 
And for that, I need your help. Yours as always in love and light, Dr. Christina.